A very warm welcome to this World Game Changers podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards creating a better life and world. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational insights and motivational messages out into the world so others may benefit. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Today, I'm joined by a gentleman from my hometown. He's uh, he's a returning guest. He's been with us on more than one podcast episode. Paul Kelly from Nottingham, UK, affectionately known as PK. PK, a very warm welcome to you, sir. Good afternoon, Paul. I hope you're well. I hope our listeners are well, too. Well, I'm certainly well. I can't speak for the rest of the world. And, uh, well, you know, we'll we'll see what happens um, throughout the day, throughout the world in that respect. So one of the things that we thought we'd speak about, listeners, is a crucial, an absolutely crucial part. It always has been, but I think even more so in more recent times, young people's health and more specifically, mental health. PK, start us off on this. You know, I really don't know where this is going to go because it's such a vast area, isn't it? But why did you choose this focal point? As I'm a teacher, at uh, a college in my hometown of Nottingham. It has become increasingly apparent since we returned to college at the beginning of September that our young people's mental health has been clearly affected by uh, what we've experienced over the last two years, i.e. the global pandemic and the lack of face-to-face education. Mm. So obviously, I'm assuming, which never assume, but I'm assuming you've seen a a big difference, whatever you know, difference means from sort of pre-COVID two years ago to present day. I read some, I did, I did some research um, regarding this, and it currently stands that one in six of our young people are currently affected by mental health issues, and. Out of these one in six uh, people, approximately 75% of them are unable to access any mental health services to try and alleviate their problems, which I find absolutely astonishing. And I think we're only sort of halfway to the tip of the iceberg with respect to this uh, problem. Mm. There's a train of thought, PK. Um, I want to be contentious here. There's a train of thought that actually the inverted commas professional services don't actually know how to deal with mental health. And I've heard that from personal experience of being involved with someone very close to me. And they said, we just don't know what to do or how. You know, and it's been that way for a long, long, long time. You know, if you've got a broken leg, it's visible. You know, they put the, they put the, the leg back together and they put it in plaster and it heals. But if you've got a broken mind, for want of oversimplifying the term, well, how do you do that then? And and I I quote PK, we don't know how to deal with it. You know, there was all kinds of, I can remember my late mother, you know, they gave her ECT shock treatment years ago. Um, So I don't know. I mean, do you know, do the, uh, the inverted commas yet again, experts know how to deal with whatever this phenomenon is? I think the problem that the so-called experts have 
is that there are so many different strands to people's mental health and even more so in younger children that can affect them and can be triggers that can disrupt their their well-being their mental health and their whole outlook on life and i think it's a case of we need to get almost intervene before and build up a resilience to to life as we know it in our young people by guiding them through these difficult times that they're currently experiencing and are likely to experience into adulthood. I think we've, as adults, we're not perfect. And like the experts say, we are unsure whether we have all the answers, but we need to talk to our young people. The bottom line is we've got to engage in conversations with our our young people and then make judgments as to what the real problems are. And it may be that we have to draw upon our own vulnerabilities and say, look, I experienced difficult times in my life. And yes, you're experiencing a very difficult time in your life. And you're so much younger than I am. Maybe I can help you through this. Mm. There's certainly massive power in that, isn't there? You know, that empathy, that vulnerability. Because if I can be allowed to share my own um, situation, PK here and listeners, you've heard this so many times before, but... You know, part of my uh, darker years, which lasted for decades, you know, was around I thought nobody actually cared. And, you know, there was nowhere to go, which kind of brings in, PK, this whole thing of we just need to be listened to, don't we? We just need to know that somebody somewhere, you know, because our parents, you know, they tell us they love us, our family tell us they love us or friends or, or what have you. But there's something missing there, isn't there? And certainly from my conversations with people in general, you know, this is why podcasts, I think, and and writing books and stories are so, so powerful because it gives people that platform that, you know, to, I call it from the old Moody Blues Nights in White Satin record, letters I've written never meaning to send. So what do I mean by that, listeners? What I mean by that is I'm dumping my thoughts, my emotions, yeah, even some of my darkest moments on paper. I'm releasing that energy, which sounds very simple, but unless we know, we're trapped. We're like sort of, we're trapped in our own mind. We've got no outlet. And then, you know, maybe we don't get told daily by our parents or, you know, loved ones how much we care. Maybe nobody gives us five minutes just to really listen. And when I say listen, I mean actually just listen rather than hear something just to respond and there's a big difference pk is there not there certainly is i think we've we need to listen make notes not judge um i know you're very familiar with the term be a guide on the side we can in the words of uh, a football manager we can advise and recommend but we need to assist our young people, not judge them, not make assumptions, not label them, but guide them. I think a song that became very poignant to me uh, was, was a Whitney Houston song. And it's got a line in it. We've got to help our young children learn to love themselves again. Mm. I think 
a lot, lots of young children are in situations now where they don't know whether to stick or twist with regards to so many different things in their life. The going outside, simple things like catching a bus. Um, the whole COVID-19 situation has made people even more scared of doing even the simplest things. Anxiety, depression, all of these things that were attributed with adulthood. We've got 14, 15, 16-year-olds who are showing all of the symptoms of these things in massive ways at such young ages, and it's very distressing. So what's the difference then, PK? Because first and foremost, we're people. What, in your humble opinion, is the difference then, you know, say between a young person in this, this context and an older person? You know, is it that an older person's got, I don't know, more life experience, greater coping skills? Because I would actually personally challenge that. I think that's a two-way street. I think for me, uh, as an older person, we are more used to change. Young people, we're going, going back to the six human needs again. Um, young people, they like an amount of certainty in their lives. And unfortunately, the COVID-19 situation prevented, um, prevented that certainty. Um, people who are regularly going out and exercising to, to look after their well-being were denied that opportunity. They were denied seeing their friends. They were denied seeing their school friends, their friends from their sports clubs. So that element of certainty and that dramatic change, I believe, has led to a massive increase in the, in the mental health issues that our young people are currently experiencing. Interesting that you mentioned the sick human needs there, PK. Um, Tony Robbins, the founder of that fantastic model. Robbins has a, an approach in life, very, very contentious statement yet again, that we actually choose to do depression rather than it does us. Any thoughts around that? I think we can get sucked in to um, feeling depressed. If, we, if we're not able to do the things that we love doing, or we're denied the opportunity to do things we, we like doing, then depression can envelop us and surround us. And then we're almost, we get suppressed by it. We get encircled by it. And then it becomes us, uh, even though we might not want to be depressed, we might be a really happy go lucky young person, but all of a sudden it kind of surrounds us. And before you know it, uh, we, we, we don't know where to, where to look. I'm going to be. I can't find the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm going to be oversimplified here when I suggest that is it a literally a simple case of raising awareness, because part of the frustration, the anxiety, these things that we endure as human beings. And let's not discriminate too much at this stage, BK. Let's generalise if we can and use the term humanity, humans, irrespective of you know label, but. Part of that challenge that we face is our lack of awareness because, I mean, I've just shared that one example about Robbins and I'm not taking a side on that at this stage around whether he's right or wrong. Um, but we choose depression. We choose to do irrespective of what the label is. Now, you know, for me, the simplicity is by raising awareness that actually 
we may have a choice. Let's use the word may have a choice out of this darkness, this maze, this quagmire. Call it what you will. Call it what you will. We may have a choice. And I think by raising awareness just on that would spark a debate, PK. Maybe an initially a heated one. But it would get people talking. It would release the energy, the frustration, the anger, you know. And that's what's needed, isn't it? You know, I'm, as you know, I'm, and, and listeners, you know, you've probably gleaned by now that, you know, my take on life is take action. You know, dialogue is fantastic, but it's one half of the coin. The other half is action. But we've got to start somewhere. What's the starting point, PK? Is that to talk more, bring it out in the open? It's got to be raising an awareness, surely. For me, it has to be that raising awareness by getting young children to express their vulnerabilities, to write it down on paper. I'm sure that there are some people who are jumping on the bandwagon, who are, well, my friend's depressed, so I, I'm depressed as well. And, well, everyone's depressed. And I think that's where Robbins's theory can be proven to be true with some people. I think the raising the awareness and saying, please come and talk to me. I am interested in you. I think young people have that tendency to feel that because they're young, they're a bit invincible. And then when they get a knockback, oh, I'm young. I, I don't get depression. I don't get anxiety. And I think we've got the balance between the people who are genuinely really anxious, who really need our help, and... We've got other people who perhaps are going, well, they seem to get an easier ride at college because they always got somebody to talk to. I want somebody to talk to. And I think we can't discount either of those people. But have we got enough people to listen? That's the question I'm asking. It's a very good question as well. A very good question. Because for me, it boils down to that. When you strip everything back, I'm not saying I'm never, ever going to suggest in any situation in life there is a one-size-fits-all answer but I know where we've landed on this about that listening is massive it's absolutely massive because you know bring in Robbins yet again you know he has a take on things around our two inherent fears now one is we'll never be loved enough and two we'll never be good enough imagine walking through life I'll never be good enough you know, we beat ourselves up. We're conditioned from an early age. We're not born this way. We're born like a sort of proverbial blank piece of paper. But we learn these, these toxic ways. We learn them. And then as we get older and wiser, if we're lucky, if we're lucky through raised awareness, we go on a voyage of self-discovery and we unlearn them. We peel back the onion layers that we've you know, peers and parents and, you know, people that maybe, so let's take our parents as, a, as an example, listeners, meant well, but what they imparted upon us came from their perception. Didn't make it right. It didn't make it wrong. It was based on their truth. And I think as time goes by, we actually question that, even though in most cases with parents, it comes from a good place and a good intention, doesn't make it right. And I think that's part of the um, the challenge as well, PK. Any thoughts around any of that? I think where the whole mental health issue can be exacerbated is 
if we have parents who have their own mental health issues, then a child is having to almost be a parent and almost be a carer to their parent. So they're not getting those good intentions from their parents. They're having to deal with the depression, the, um, the, the, the problems of addiction at such a young age that that puts so much of a burden on them caring for a parent or caring for both parents in some instances that they just cannot cope and they reach breaking point. And then they start to exhibit the kind of behaviors that as a college teacher or a school teacher, they then get labeled as being disruptive, as having a problem, as having a mental health problem, having emotional difficulties. They get classed as being awkward or somebody who doesn't listen. It's because they want to be heard. They don't want to listen. They want somebody to listen to them. Mm. And, and I want to be heard. That brings in this whole question of identity, doesn't it? Do you think more so nowadays, PK, that young people are struggling for an identity? You know, when we grew up as kids, I mean, I'm a bit older than you, but, uh, you know, the identity was wrapped up in, we're poor, we don't care because one day we'll play football for our local team, you know, whoever that may be, you know, Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, whatever it may be, Nottingham Forest. There was a sense of identity. Life was so much more simpler. Whereas nowadays, I think the peer pressure, based on the conversations I have with young people, I, I, I come across a phrase recently from a young person. She introduced me to this, and apparently it's really big in America, cancel culture. This thing called cancel culture. And it's kind of, you know, you, you alluded to it, PK. You know, if you've got a black cat, I've got, I've got a black, mine's blacker. Whatever you've got, I've got something else. And this is all cancelling out of, you know, and I when, when I first heard that, what resonated with me is this struggling for identity, a place in the world. And I don't mean individually. I mean, obviously, it starts individually. But youth today, I think, are given such bad press, such bad press. The young ones nowadays, that it was never like this in my day. Well, thank, thank goodness it wasn't. I think the whole, the whole idea of social media adds to what's what's written in the papers um if you or i did something bad when we were young it'd have to be very bad to make the local papers whereas nowadays somebody can put it from video you doing something wrong and it's on facebook and the whole world can see it within five minutes mm. in our day you'd have to be really 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 bad to make the front page of the evening post but nowadays people take videos of people doing things and before you know it everybody knows who's done it and I don't think it helps. Young, if people were taking videos of people doing good things, look at this great young person. He's planting, planted a thousand trees. He's um, raised 2000 pounds for charity. Then lots more people would have a better impression of what great things young people can do. And I, I've got a, a really strong inkling that social media has added to the pressures that young people feel that they're placed under. I don't think it's helpful to them that people are constantly showing off their latest 
pair of 200 pound trainers that mommy or daddy have bought them. And then somebody else is going through the process of comparing what they've got to what one of their classmates has got all the time because it's in their face on social media all of the time. Mm. And I, I just think that the whole social media, if somebody's not in a particular good place, it just adds to it and it magnifies it massively because it's always there. And from my experiences, young people are never five minutes away from their phones. Yeah. And that reinforces what's not so good in their life rather than reinforcing what is good about their life. So what's the answer then, PK? Where do we, where do we even start with this? Well, I've used the word already, this maze. It's, it's beyond a maze. I think there's so many ingredients, isn't there, in the mixing bowl? You've just mentioned one of the, the key ingredients there, in my humble opinion, social media and the abuse thereof. You know, that's one thing. There's no just one thing. Where do we start with this? I think we, we start by talking to our young people more. We engage with them. We engage with them at an earlier age. We encourage them to speak openly about how they feel and express their feelings in writing, in podcasts, in poetry, through play, in sports, through music. We get them involved in something with people who are going to care about them, show them love, show them that they care, listen to them, get them to be creative and talk to them but more importantly, listen to them. Yeah. I want to leave it there, PK, because I think in a nutshell, you've kind of summed it up. I mean, you know, this, as I've said, listeners, is so, so massive and wide as a subject. We could go on for days and days and days. So that, you know, the point of having this conversation with PK really is, you know, he works at the sharp end with young people. He really does know what he's talking about. And, and just to capture these little snippets, I dare say, PK, this is going to be the first of many, many, many future pod, uh, podcast conversations, blogs around raising awareness of this. Um, is it too simplistic yet again to call it fear pandemic? I think we, we, need to, we need to end the fear pandemic. We need to embrace our children with praise and love and get them to love themselves again. So that when we need them to look after us, when we're, when we're getting on a bit, a bit more, they are capable of looking after themselves and of looking after their parents. Mm. When we're getting on a bit more, there's this. I tell you what, PK, on that humorous <laughs> line, um, I'm going to leave it there. When we get on a bit more, <laughs> listeners, I'll let you, uh, you just come up with your own thoughts about what that immortal line from PK means. At this stage, PK, how do we reach out? How do we get in touch with you? What's your contact details? You can reach out to me at the following address, which is paul-kelly.com. I'm also on Twitter, P underscore Kelly 37. And you can also contact me through World Game Changers, of which I play a little role, but I'm trying to encourage more people to join. So please feel free to contact me. 
and modestly prevailing there, listeners, when PK says he plays a small role. Um, I'll just say modestly prevailing because he plays a monumental role, as do all our people in World Game Changes. And on that celebratory note, all that remains now is for me to sign off by saying, remember, the world's changing. How will you respond? Thanks very much for listening to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the world is changing. How will you respond? <laughs>